Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Recording this on Friday, December 16th. The news still fresh of Khalil Barnes' commitment to Clemson. Paul Strelo has been on top of that the whole time. Never a better time than now to subscribe to TigerIllustrated.com. 76% off special going on. Not going to last much longer. So now is the time to take advantage of that. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold, based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Football season is grilling season, and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone Griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com, and we deliver. They're good people. Go see them today. Okay, to our interview, Pete Iacobelli of the Associated Press, an institution in the state of South Carolina sports journalism. Some great insight into the practice of journalism. Also, some great stories about various interactions with coaches over more than three decades. Enjoy. Okay, joined by a longtime friend and colleague, I guess, Pete Iacobelli. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Larry. Thanks for uh, uh, having me on. You know, who would have thought back in the your days at Augusta and, 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 and all those places back then that we'd be podcasting <laughs> in, in in this world now i remember actually i think it was when i was in augusta i remember somebody 
somebody in Athens, I think his name was Trent Rosecrans, who now covers the Reds, longtime uh, reporter who covers the, has covered the Reds now, I believe still. But he was a techie guy at the time, and I remember, yeah. I remember him mentioning um, an iPod. <laughs> and this is pre-podcast, I think. And I'm like, what in the world is that? Right. You know? Yeah. What? What and, is going uh, on? <laughs> yeah. So we we've we've come a long way, I think. Yeah. Or, or maybe yeah, not. Sure. <laughs> Especially for being a long time in the same state. You know, doing doing the same doing the same things in the same state. It's been a long time for us, for sure, Larry. You know, it occurred to me uh, after, so you and I were walking away from the pra- Clemson's practice the other day and, and you're sharing with me, oh yeah, I'm an empty nester now. My kids have, yeah. have moved on and I, I get in the car and I'm like, man, we spend, and not just you and I, but you and, 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 and me and, and a bunch of other media types, we spend a lot of time around each other, but not very much time uh, talking about being interested in each other's personal lives, you know, which yeah. is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to, wanted to have you on. Um, how far back do you go, Pete, with, with AP and, and being involved in the, in covering the South Carolina, the state of South Carolina sports scene? Well, I, I got, I joined the AP in a temporary matter manner back in 85 and 1985. And I remember it because the first, my first week there, that Saturday was uh, Live Aid. And I'm kind of like, you know, so now when I think back on it and I think of Live Aid and, and stuff like that. So it's been a long time. And I was in New York for uh, about seven years. And an opening came here in um, in South Carolina in 1993. And they wondered if I'd be interested and uh i sure was because somebody that you and i know used to work for the ap rick scoppy was uh the ap guy here and he was moving to the greenville news so they needed somebody down here they asked if i'd be interested and i was ready to kind of jumpstart my career but the way i looked at it was well you know a year or two in south carolina and then maybe on to a bigger city and a bigger city and a bigger city but you know, then you, then life gets in the way, right? You get, you get married, you have a couple of kids. There's enough fun stuff going on, interesting stuff going on here in the state. And all of a sudden it's, you know, 30 years later and you're still doing the same thing in, in, in the same state. But it's been, it's been quite a journey. It's been a fun journey. And it's especially gratifying when you can tap into people who've been around for a long time doing the same thing like yourself, you know, you've always been one of the, you know, the top people on whatever beat you cover. And it's fun getting to know people a little bit. It's like you, it's like you, you meet these new young, younger people all the time and you can't really be involved in their lives or even the chit chat of their lives. It's kind of a, it's fun when you are around people who you have some connection with, for a long time and you can laugh about, you know, Tim Frisbee or, or, <laughs> or, or stories that have occurred, you know, down, down, down the road or Ray Ray McElrathy or things that you kind of shared together uh, on the same B over the years. And that's, that's, that's gratifying. That's why it's, you know, particularly fun being on here talking with you, talking with you a little bit. 
or a brawl at the end of the South Carolina right. Clemson game. Right. <laughs> that was that was insane. You know, I will remember I do remember the president at South Carolina, Andrew Sorensen, at the time of that, because it happened that Holt, Lou Holtz was leaving. There was the brawl and the aftermath of going to the ball bowl game and then Steve Spurrier taking over. And in the span of three days, I remember the president quipping that he had three major press conferences involving football in a six day span. And then he goes, and I came from Alabama. So it was really funny how, uh, you know, it was really funny how that kind of all unfolded the magnitude of all the things, the things that we get to cover, you know, we, we've gotten to see over the years. It's just, insane sometimes to think about how it all plays out i want to stay on that topic for a second of that particular event that news event um i remember not knowing how to cover that because you you go to a game you're anticipating writing about the game and all the subplots within um the turning points and things like that game is decided and you have your story I'm guessing you're in the middle of writing your story and we'll get into this later in terms of the process, your process, but you probably have your head buried in your laptop trying to write the story that you have to file minutes after the game ends when the brawl happens. Okay. So then the brawl, then that catches your attention. How do you just thinking back to not just that particular event, but just totally unpredictable things such as that. How do you, how did you go through that and, assess the importance of it how much of a um how prominent should i make this is this the story and how much uh guidance i guess are you getting from your your editors in new york and think it's just a really interesting sort of um ball of yarn to sort of unravel here as we're talking about your particular job at that time yeah you know i mean that's for sure i'm i i do indeed at that time of a game have my head down. The game's just about over, obviously, you know, uh, the Clemson's getting ready to win. So you're writing the story of what you've seen, uh, happen in the game. And I remember for some reason, my head kind of picked up. I remember it was an incomplete pass down field. Right. And we, uh, my, my eyes were on that pass and the aftermath. And then everybody kind of snapped back towards the line of scrimmage where the where 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 things were unfolding, if I have that correct, I, I can't remember. I was looking one way, and then things were unfolding another way, and then I remember, you know, the image I have indelibly marked is like, you know, tiny small Lou Holtz running running onto the field into this scrum of much much bigger people, and I I wondered if he was going to going to emerge unscathed there because it sure looked like a dangerous kind of thing. But as you say, uh, and I, I, I say this all the time, thank goodness for uh, my colleague, Jeffrey Collins in the office, because that was when we still staffed the desk on Saturday and he was watching the game and he was taping the game. And so he was able to help me out and go back through it for almost a blow by blow situation of what happened. And, um, okay. Why was he, I'm sorry to interrupt. Why was he taping the yeah. game? 
he, because it was a Saturday and he's a college football fan and he just thought, you never know. Wow. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, that's just who Jeffrey is. You yep. know, he's, he's always a couple of steps ahead of things. And, um, I, I think if you recall too, the night before was that kind of, uh, NBA brawl yeah. in Detroit, you know? And, uh, so I think we were all a little heightened that these things could happen at a sporting event. I don't know that any of us anticipated it would happen at uh, this sporting event. But as far as uh, editors, you know, it was a typical college football Saturday. So it wasn't as if um, I got a lot of direction there. I mean, it was a story. It became the story. So, I mean, I made it, you know, as prominent as possible, especially piggybacking after the, uh, uh, the, the, the brawl from the night before. Uh, um, in, in the NBA. And, and I think that kind of helped everybody. Our consciousness was all across the board, uh, you know, heightened a little bit. So I think we, we all were ready to make that the lead of a story when typically things like that, you know, you have to really judge yourself whether, whether that becomes the story. I mean, and, and I don't know how much that changes. I I'll bring up something from just last month when the South Carolina women played at Clemson and it was a, you know, as you might expect, you know, the programs are at different points. So it was kind of a blowout victory, but there in the fourth quarter, one of South Carolina's freshmen, Ashlyn Watkins steals the ball at mid court, goes in alone and dunks. Yeah. And that all of a sudden, you know, I was in the middle of writing that, finalizing that game story as well. But then I kind of, you know, uh, hit the, the, hit the backspace bar a few times or the return bar a few times. And you put a new lead on it using that incident, using that, you know, that situation, because that suddenly became what was most interesting about that game. So I don't think that that, I don't think that skill ever changes. This was a little more dramatic in the aftermath of, you know, I, I still, you know, this is an aside too. You know, as much as I love Tommy Bowden, I still can't believe that he thought at times that they should have gone to a bowl game, even even after that. You know, but uh, it, it was just funny how, uh, how how that unfolded, and just you have to keep your your I don't know your judgment about you even in the most difficult situations. I'm sure it's happened to you a bunch of times where you've got to figure out is this the most what's the most important element of the story and that certainly became the most important element of that story. That's for, of, of that game that time. Well, I remember what an aftermath, huh? Yeah. Well, I remember, uh, I was with the post and courier at the time I was standing yeah. with Ken Berger on the sideline when that happened. And he, Yusef Kelly literally walked right by us with the helmet parading oh. the helmet in his hand, yeah. uh, and threw throws it up into the student section behind us. Well, so, my assignment that game was to write the lead story. Yeah. But we also had Ken Berger there, Gene Sapikoff there. And so I, Gene says, Ken's going to write about the brawl. I said, okay. And so my game story literally was a game story just on the game. <laughs> and I think it's one of, I still, I'm, I, I still think back and cringe. Like I can't even, yeah. I don't even write at all about the brawl. Like I think I was just scared of it. You know, because it's just such a shock to the system. You're not used to writing about that type of thing. How do you weave that in? Yeah. You know, 
But I just think of your job. So that at that time, a, a newspaper writer, it's an afternoon game. I think it was a noon game. Yeah, it was an afternoon. Yeah, it's a noon start. It was an early kick. Yeah. yeah so that uh, the, the job of a newspaper writer, this is way in internet infancy. Yeah. Um, at the, our job is basically what it always has been traditionally, and that is, oh, you just sit there, watch the game, uh, and then go do interviews, and then write, come back to the press box and write your lead story and notebook and things like that afterward. But your job is, is it like five minutes after the, after the clock hits zero? Is there a, a, a certain sort of standard for AP on when you have to have it in? Uh, you, you, there is. They want it in as quickly as possible. But over the years, I've come to look at it as if your deadline is every minute, that means it's almost like you. I don't feel like I operate under a deadline. I feel like I feel like here's my job. The game is over, and now I must get it in as quickly as possible. I will say that Clemson has certainly Clemson football has certainly helped the last few years because most of the games <laughs> I cover have been blowouts, yeah. right? So, you know, they've been sizable and you can really get things going in the, you can always tell when the game's out of reach because it's like in the third quarter or the fourth quarter is when I start really stop really charting and start going into, you know, putting the story together. And, and if it doesn't come down to the end, it makes it a little bit easier to get it uh, in as quickly as possible. And then of course, as we know, by the time that uh, the Clemson players and coaches get out of the locker room, you have time to rethink and recraft if you want. There's plenty of time to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to figure, to figure that out, you know, but it's, it, it, it's interesting. It's a skill that I didn't come down here with, but I've certainly developed it over time because that's, you know, that's my job. And while we share the same profession, in what we do, it's a little bit of a different mindset and skill. I don't think, I don't know that I could sit there and write, you know, as, as good an analysis as some people do that. And I also think that people that you could plop somebody down and say, okay, the game's over. You got to get this in as quickly as possible. If that's two minutes, if that's five minutes, if it's, you know, if it takes a little longer because it happened at the end, that's, that happens too, because you just have to dig in with a certain mindset that this is what we're going to do. And you have to make sure all the facts are in, in the right space. It's a skill that's developed over time. And, you know, fortunately they still, uh, they still want me to do it. So I'm happy about that. When you say you chart the game, what do you mean? What's, I mean, what's I your still, process? I, uh, you know, I have my notebook and I have, you know, from the first football game I covered in 1993, uh, down here to now, I will sit there and write out, you know, each play, you know, one dash ten dash twenty five, you know, for who's ever team who's ever got the ball, and then I'll kind of make a couple of notes on it, and if it's a, and, and so I will, I I will stop. I mean, I'm old school, right? So that's my process. In that, I see I see uh, some of our younger colleagues now getting in, you know, they've got their laptops open and they're, and they're writing almost from the time the game starts about the flow of things and everything. I've still got to put it down on paper. and You know, I still bring my notebook down to the post game. I know the scrums sometimes 
you all you have to do, you know, you, it's, it's, it's all you can do to uh, put your arm forward in front of somebody's face with a tape recorder or an iPhone or something like that to get it. So it's hard, but if I can, if I can take notes on paper and, and while I do interviews, uh, that's still my preferred way of doing things. And I, do you know shorthand? I do not. I know my shorthand, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have my, my own little shorthand. I've never really, uh, taken stenography or anything like that, but over the years I've kind of developed, uh, you know, wor- words like, uh, I-, I don't know, understanding or something like that. I might just do a UND or, you know, UND ING or something like that, whatever I can do, but you, you kind of zero in on the prime comments because as we know these coaches and players can say a lot of similar things over and over again so you know we you and i have been around long enough that we're kind of trained in what we feel what we believe we can hear when there's something high quality that somebody says we zone in on that and you know i try and kind of lock that in my brain and just kind of scribble it down uh quickly so i'll remember uh, where it came from. I used to do exactly what you do at games, um, play by play, all that. But at some point, I think it, I realized it dawned on me that I spent, I guess, especially in the, with the advent of tempo offenses <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that I realized I started missing things as I'm sitting there trying to be sure that I got the seven yard gain, you know, on third and <laughs> third and four. And then I, I find, I have found, I did find, uh, I guess years ago, that I follow a game much better if I'm just watching the game and not writing down anything. Yeah. And it's almost a, it's, go ahead. I was going to say, it makes so much sense there. You know, I find myself, if I'm not writing something down, that's when I, or, or watching and then writing that's when I might zone out a little bit and all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, what just, you know, Oh, I missed these two plays. What just happened there? You know? Yeah. It's really interesting. It's Uh a process. It's an individual process, you know, that, that everybody uh, goes through. And I would imagine, I would imagine that, you know, the younger guys on the beat, the younger men and women on the beats now just getting started, they've got their own process that they're going to refine over time and who knows 30 years from now how people will cover cover sporting events you know how that'll go all right so let's go back to the brawl yeah game uh i'm just thinking of if i'm in your shoes and yeah. and, and, I, and, I, and we've gone you've i've gone through the process that you just described earlier okay you you're finishing up you're putting the finishing touches on the clemson dominate south carolina game story then you look up and oh crap yeah yeah i, I just want to I would melt in that situation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if I had that type of pressure to have the right news judgment in documenting this crazy thing that has just unfolded. What did you – do you remember how you is, – is the lead basically a brawl, a, a massive brawl marred the end of Clemson's dominant victory over South Carolina in Lou Holtz's last game? I mean, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. You know, I remember, I remember getting all the elements in to that lead, as you said, you know, Lou Holtz's final game, uh, 
the brawl, obviously, mars everything. I think for Clemson, I think it was their third their third win in a row in the rivalry uh, yep. uh, there. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things, you know, you talk about, you know, you talk about like, I, first of all, I don't believe that you would have melted. I believe you would have just taken a deep breath and said, okay, let's get it done. You know, I compare it to this. This is going to sound silly to some people, but I remember my freshman year in college when I had a, an economics final, right. And, and I sat there and I read, I studied as hard as I could. I, you know, I knew I was going to study hard. I did. I got the test paper and I read over every question and I was like, I don't know any of these. And I knew I was going to punt. I took a deep breath. I went back to it and found a question that I thought maybe I knew something about it. And little by little by little, I got through the whole test, right? And wound up with an A. So I don't, I think you're a lot like that too. I think that you would take a deep breath and say, listen, this is what, this is how we have to do it. And this is how we have to break down. I, you know, I think you'd be good at it because, you know, you're that kind of talented individual in the, in, in, in this business and you would figure it out. And I think a lot of people would, you just take a deep breath and say, okay, this is what has to happen. And this is how I have to get it in. And you can unfold like the details. I, I, I remember, you know, Jeffrey sent me a pretty much a play by play transcript of how the brawl unfolded on tape. And we got that into later versions of the story. I remember writing through that story like well into the night because of everything that unfolded there. And, um, it is, uh, it is one of the most crazy experiences, uh, that I've had because of all the elements that took place, you know, both teams are missing a bowl game, you know, Spurrier on the way in Holtz on the way out, uh, and just it happening in the rivalry game, the, 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 the malice at the palace brawl the night before kind of heightened it nationally a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, you know, almost 20 years later, 18 years later, it's still memorable and still a, a good lesson for all of us in this business when we about what to do in such a heightened situation. So just in layman's terms for the, those listening who don't have a background yeah. uh, in the industry, which is probably almost all the listeners uh, <laughs> don't um, your job is always the, the job of an AP reporter is always, like you said, you, you have something right away after whatever yeah. event you're covering, whether it's a, sports event or a political event, whatever. And then you go down and do interviews. You spend maybe an hour or in Clemson's case, two hours. <laughs> Sorry, a little jab there. Uh, <laughs> um, and you come back and you write a more fleshed out, a basic, basically a brand new story uh, yeah. that, that's more of a story and not just yeah. nuts and bolts. Um, and I guess... I guess that's really become the process for a, a lot of uh, writers, not just AP now in the age of uh, the internet, where they're they're having to do the same thing for their newspaper websites in a lot of cases, and of course, ESPN and so on. So that's basically the 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 process um, uh, that, that 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 always has been, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It takes you know, it's like um, I don't know if I worked in a factory and made widgets. 
and they showed me this is how you make widgets. And then I just do it and repeat it uh, over and over again, widget after widget. It'd be the same thing with uh, it's the same thing with with the process of an AP story, especially a game story. I mean, these days and even back then, you know, when you write a, a story during the week about some issue going on, like, for instance, this week, obviously, when Clemson reconvenes, it's a story about hey, you know, DJ was just here for three years and now he's not on the practice field and now it's Cade's team and he's taking over. You know, you flesh those out all at once after interviews unless there was something super breaking about it. But game stories are like that, as you say. It's a process of writing writing a breaking story without any, without any quotes or or too many, too many details or as many details as you put in. And then you go flesh it out later with the comments and the insight and, and things from, from uh, other things that happened in the game. So again, I I do think it's a process. A lot of people could do if they had to, you know, if that's what their job told them or that's what their job said, this is how we do things, you know, and you just learn it's a skill like a lot of other things you'll learn it. But you know, I am proud of the fact that I've been around uh, a long time, especially here in the state, and have kind of forged a bunch of relationships, both with uh, administrators, athletes, colleagues, just a lot of different things. You know, you mentioned um, about the news. You, you touched on the news side for a second. When we were our, our governance structure at the AP. It's changed a little bit. We're more centralized. Sports is more its own situation. But it used to be the bureau. You know, every state had an AP bureau. There are still bureaus in states. But uh, you were the, – the bureau governance was responsible for sports. And, you know, if, if my story might go on the sports wire. But what that means is there were plenty of times when there wasn't much going on in the sports world where they said, you know, here, Pete, go cover this court case or, you know, go do this uh, news side story. And I found that as rewarding as anything else and as helpful because you learn how to ask more pointed, less sports oriented questions to get to get to the nugget of all. And, 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 And I really miss that a little bit because, you know, besides being around to help your colleagues, at the state house or, or, or in some breaking news story, you, uh, you learn your craft a little bit. You learn because it's, it's just as essential on, on news side as in sports to ask the right questions and get to the heart of the matter. So I found that at my first 15, 16 years here at the Bureau, a very, very helpful and satisfying thing. And another thing people probably, some people don't know is, is the AP. I mean, that, your stories, like when you write about Clemson's uh, victory over NC State in yeah. football, it goes across the entire country to subscribe people who are not people, but newspapers and other entities that subscribe to the yeah. AP, and they have the freedom to to run that article. So your byline has been distributed throughout the country for decades. Is that yeah. the best way to put it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's. You know, I mean, this is an ego. 
it's an ego driven business. And one of the businesses, the first thing we do is put our name on top of a story. You know, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly that, and that's, you know, that's satisfying. I feel like it's, I feel like it's been fun to do what I do. And, 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 and as I say, get to know the people I know and really still be in there swinging away, uh, after X amount of years, you know, I, 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 I will next July, it'll be like 38 years with the AP. And I tell my children that, you know, forget in your lives, you'll never do that. You'll never do it. You'll never spend, you know, almost four decades with, with one company again, because that's not the way things are anymore, but it's been a satisfying time. And, and, and I've really enjoyed myself and what I cover here, not just football, not just South Carolina and Clemson, but the, you know, the PGA tour down in Hilton Head or Darlington, you know, NASCAR out of Darlington. I've really enjoyed all the things I've covered and all the people I've gotten to know through all that. So at tigerillustrated.com, we'll have fairly regularly, we'll have interns who work with us, college college students who, and they want to learn how to write. And so after getting sort of a feel for their aptitude for it, I'll almost every time I will pull up, I'll do a Google search for Pete Iacobelli and Paul Newberry. And, and I'll just say here, study, study this, because this is, this is where you start. And that's the building blocks of, of writing a new story. I guess it's called the inverted pyramid where you have the most important information, information at the top and then it, and so on to where the, I guess the least important information is at the bottom, but it's not, it's not opinionated. It's not, uh, um, you know, boy, I had a great time at the game. Clemson was awesome. <laughs> it's very <laughs> understated, but still very concise and still tells a story, you know, with the second, you know, with the second article you produce at a game, it still is a, is a, is a storytelling sort of vehicle. Um, but there's an art to it. Uh, and so I tell every one of them, I just, in fact, did with our most recent intern just last week. He's like, hey, what what would you like me to do next? I said, Continue, study those AP articles over and over and over again. Um, because if without that, you can't go anywhere beyond that if you don't know how to structure uh, a game story. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Larry, because it's... Uh... You know, this is a world of hot takes. Everybody has to have, you know, right. take after take after take. And you've got to be out there with an opinion. And I've never wanted to have my opinion in any of my stories. Now, you know, as you know, through some of our talk, press box talks or, you know, press conference talks or whatever, I have my opinions on a bunch of things, but that's not you know, that's not for me to say, you know, that's not for me to put out there. I mean, I'll share it with friends and colleagues and things like that. We'll joke about things, but I kind of pride myself on just, Hey, this is what happened. Here's the story. This is what this person said. This is what that person did. Here's the reaction to what that person did. And, um, you know, it's, it's not as prevalent these days because as I say, it's, it's almost like you've got to have some kind of bias there either or agree or disagree and put it out there. And I think that's what younger sports fans 
who want to get into this business, uh, they see that more and more and more because they see that as a way to kind of enhance their brand or, or wherever they want to go in this business. And maybe one day, maybe one day that'll be the prevalent way of expressing uh, sports stories is in opinion. Uh, but right now, you know, knock on wood, it's still, there's still a market out there for people who just want to read, want to read the facts and what happened. And, and, and in a way that's, you know, that's got some style and, and a little bit of flair and things like that. And as you mentioned, Newberry, Paul Newberry is, you know, a master at that. And he does write opinion pieces for us too, but they don't read necessarily like hot takes. They read in a story style where he can get his voice through uh, while still telling a story, a fact-based story. So I really appreciate you uh, doing that and pushing the brand because uh, we try and do the best we can with that in, in, in our guidelines. Well, and also you're, you're totally right about, and I don't want to be the get off my lawn, you know, kids, kids these days. <laughs> I'm, got, I long past that. Get I'm off sorry. my lawn now. <laughs> <laughs> but there is sort of a, a, a misconception. I think, you know, you have a, 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 a kid who's just starting out trying to, sort of get started cutting his teeth or whatever it's well here's what i think you know here's the hot take and so you're you, know, you look at a stephen a smith well that's who he is now but that's not who he was when he started his career he cut his teeth yeah. as a news as a sports reporter i think at the winston-salem journal i want to say yeah i think you're right yeah. um doing a great job and then moving up to philly i want to say the daily news one of the yeah. one of the papers up there and then a long time establishing himself as a as a great reporter uh before he then went on to takes yeah which that's the you, you're not gonna you're not gonna get a, a start in the in the media industry i don't think by having takes by saying here's what i think about this game and you know i mean i'm you know my role is yes i, I write what i think about what i just saw at a football game, but I think that's because I've, I've been here for a long time and people want to know what I yeah. think, you know, um, yeah. based on my perspective and yeah. contacts and, and just the overall, um, feel for the situation. But certainly, uh, folks who are just getting their start and want to, you have to learn how to write first and how to yeah. do it sort of in a detached, um, you know, a, a detached way. I, I'll, I'll, I want to ask you this. I know that in with my position that people frequently say, even friends, they're like, so what do you do? <laughs> and I have to explain to them, oh, I write for a website that covers Clemson football. Oh, so you're a Clemson fan? No, I can't be. I can't really be a fan. So it's basically like I do. It's almost like a newspaper job, except I'm doing it for this website oh okay well so i imagine if it's kind of hard for people to understand what i do it is significantly harder for them to understand what you do because they say what do you do again oh well i write for ap well what's that oh it's a news service uh where i write stories for papers all over the country how do you explain that and put it into layman's terms when i'm sure uh you face curiosities about your profession and what you do it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember 
during the Holtz years here, you know, I'd go home to visit my family in New York and they'd be like, Oh, do you get to talk to Lou? You get to talk to Lou Holtz? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that, that's what I do. Oh, that's something. And this is after I worked for the AP, you know, they knew I worked for the AP for like 20 years, you know, and they're kind of like, Oh, wow. That's something, you know? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, but, but you're right. I mean, with the wire service that we are as prominent as, you might see if you, you know, if you watch MSNBC or CNN or, or, or Fox, you know, AP is all over those things for their political side. But in the sports side, it, it, while we have obviously we have a vast scope and have a, a, a big reach of what we do, it's it's kind of a different it's a different thing. It's not a ESPN has turned itself into a very prominent voice on television and, and, and for breaking sports news, we try and do the same thing, but trying to explain how that is, uh, you know, if I say, well, I work for the AP and they're like, Oh, well, that's a wire service, isn't it? But you know, don't they, don't they spend more time on the political side of things than others? And you have to try and explain slowly that, well, you know, while I might not be, I might, it, it doesn't necessarily matter to me if the third string center at Clemson or South Carolina has a bad ankle or something where you've got to be focused on a bigger picture almost about what goes on and, and to try and explain how that works. You know, well, were you at Clemson practice yesterday? No, I wasn't because I had to go, you know, there was NASCAR in Darlington, so I had to go over there. And, you know, are you doing this at South Carolina? No, because I'm down in Hilton Head because there's a PGA golf tournament that uh, that, that we've got to cover. So it's a it, it can be tricky to explain. And I, you know, I just hope that I do it well enough, explain it well enough that people understand that the AP wire service is a major a major news gathering organization that uh, is still relevant today and you know i play my part here in south carolina with with things and 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 hopefully they understand uh what it is that we do when they when they mention the associated press i think it's fairly easy for even the common sort of layman the, the person outside the industry to understand how newspapers are have sort of spiraled because it you know you're you have the declining circulation and then you have the, obviously the advertising uh, moved online at, at a certain point and it, it never really came back to newspapers. And so therefore it's kind of a vicious cycle yeah. in which, um, you know, newspapers are, are cutting staff uh, because of, because they're not making as much money and then they're charging more uh, for a yeah. product that in a lot of cases is not, is, is inferior to what it used to be, which therefore affects circulation because people are just like, I'm not subscribing to that crap. It's harder yeah. to understand how the sort of economic industry realities have affected AP. Is it as simple as people aren't, you don't have as many subscribers to your wire service and that affects the AP's bottom line. What's the sort of general rundown of, of how um, 
the changing face of of how we consume media uh, has, has has affected AP, if it has at all? Well, I mean, it, it's definitely affected, you know, who the AP is. And, you know, just let me put a disclaimer out there that, you know, I don't sit, I don't, they don't call me on, on these financial planning meetings or, or, or how we can find new revenue streams and things like that. But we've, we've, our leadership has done a really good job of kind of seeing the trends and staying ahead of them. Because clearly, as you say, 20 years ago, we'd, you know, mail out our fee to whatever newspaper members. And it it was almost, you almost had to have AP, uh, make sure that you had AP, but in cost cutting days, you know, they, they were not as free to want to, uh, subscribe to AP. So our leadership has done a good job in, in, in finding revenue streams in the emerging internet and, and when it first came out, obviously, and was first becoming a powerhouse here. And we're still building our brand in maybe direct to consumer kind of platforms and things like that, that maybe, uh, that, 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 you know, are under consideration or in, or, or being judged, uh, being, uh, figured out of how much they can help. Um, we've had, you know, we've had people leave. We've had longtime uh, AP sports people leave, and uh, maybe their positions. We've we've done a good job hiring within uh, our segment to uh, kind of either replace them or reallocate uh, their spot to a different a, a different area where we see a, a need to bolster our our roster. Like I'm. You know, I've thought about this too. You know, I wonder, you wonder sometimes how to, you know, how this can all be sustainable down the road. But uh, right now, I mean, we seem to be uh, right there in finding ways to keep ourselves relevant and uh, prominent among readers and consumers and, and, and how the AP kind of consumes that. I mean, again, I don't know you know, facts and figures on the bottom line, what, it, uh, on how that is. But, uh, I know that, you know, we're, we're still hiring and we're still adding people to our roster and sports. And, um, you know, to me, that's a very positive thing. That means we've, we've come upon the right formula to keep, uh, keep ourselves relevant in this business. When you've been doing it as long as you have, are there any days you wake up and you go, Oh God, I don't want to want to do this. I don't want to do this particular. I don't want to travel to this particular place, do this story again. Or is it, or is it a case of there's always something new every day uh, and every story is different and you really don't have those moments of, of, uh, well, I mean, there are some, there are some, um, you know, I can remember a few years ago <coughs> finishing up like the, Charleston classic basketball tournament, like late on a Sunday after the final game, driving back from Charleston to uh, the Midlands. And then on Monday, having to get up early and drive up to Clemson oh. you know, for, for football interviews. There are days, there's some days, you know, there's on the week, you know, that week before the rivalry game 
Uh, now it's Thanksgiving week. It used to be the week before Thanksgiving, obviously. Back in the brawl days, now with the 12-game schedule, it's Thanksgiving week. But there are some days like that where you're like, oh, can't I just have a couple more hours where I don't have to do this? But it is interesting. It's always There's always something interesting. I mean, I would, I, I would say that, you know, the whole – just uh, for your listeners here who are conversant with Clemson, I mean, the whole Clemson quarterback situation this season was, it was fascinating because it, it kind of turned a lot of what we knew in the past from, you know, the decision makers from Dabo and the other decision makers up there about how they operated in the past. It kind of flipped the script a little bit in uh, how this unspooled and just to see it, go from what looked like a very solid and 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 really well done uh comeback story the first six seven weeks of the season to what it's become now you know it's just it's just fascinating that's a story that I don't know that a lot of people could have foreseen uh going into uh going into the season and it's things like that that keep you going and you want to at South Carolina after that Florida game, I mean, it really looked like South Carolina was a disinterested offensive team uh, the first, you know, through the first 10 weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, boom, two really landmark, you know, college football shaking wins. And, you know, Spencer Rattler is the hottest quarterback in college football. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating how these things can turn and how unlikely certain results can be and, and really keep you surprised. And I think that's part of, that's probably a long winded way of saying there is always something super interesting to keep yourself engaged and thinking and, and, and wake up and say, okay, well, you know, today I get to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I try and keep a good attitude about it. You know, I don't ever want to seem jaded because there are, you know, we do get to do, we get to do things that, Almost anybody, any normal sports fan thinks is amazing. It's not always amazing, as you know, but for the most part, it pretty is spe- it's pretty special to do uh, what we do. Again, you know, touching on Clemson, just to be there in Santa Clara when, you know, Clemson and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross blow out Alabama, such an unexpected happening as good as we thought Clemson was that year. And obviously they were the best team in the country that year. You know, you just did not think that it was going to be that. And so you're always surprised. You're always, you know, you wake up with the thought that you could be surprised. And, um, you know, I just stay open to those possibilities, you know, and that keeps it all. I, I try and keep it as fresh as I can going forward. Well said. Uh, I guess if you're not opinionated uh, with your writing, uh, chances are you don't get called out by coaches uh, very, very, <laughs> very often. Um, first of all, can we talk about coach media feuds during your long history that you've observed? The three that come to mind to me, yeah. and I, I might be missing some. Yeah. Uh, well, the one at top of mind right now is Shane Beamer and Gene, <laughs> Gene Sapikoff, uh this week um, where Beamer just went after him. Yeah. Uh for a for a column he wrote basically saying that the Dowell Loggins hire was was a uh, that he goofed on it. Yeah. Um and now Sepikov I think is trying to 
clap back oh, yeah. uh, on, oh, I've on, seen that. Yeah. on Twitter, which, man, I don't know if that's the best idea, but um, th- there was the Spurrier, uh, Ron Morris. Uh, we're going to go yeah. in a different room to have a different press conference if yeah. Ron stays in this room. Um, and then the other one that comes to mind is the Nat Newell, Eddie Fogler uh, spat <laughs> back a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Nat Newell was a writer uh, with the state. Are there any others that come to mind? Well, I mean, you could uh, say, you know, Eddie Fogler against anybody who writes <laughs> from the state. I know, <laughs> I know, he had his issues with Gillespie at times. He had his issues with with several people. Now, Eddie, Eddie and I had uh, have always gotten along great. You know, we 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 don't have any issues. That doesn't mean he that doesn't mean he hasn't yelled at me in the past in, in, in the past way back when. You know, it's the same thing with Holtz and Spurrier and Dabo. I mean, they've gotten, you know, they've yelled at me at times. Really? And sized me, not loudly, but, you know, they've called me out at times. And um, For you what? just kind of have to sit back and say that. I mean, uh, Holtz, you know, if I remember correctly, I think I was asking him something about the offensive line that he didn't like and was in a bad mood. <laughs> I remember, uh, uh, I remember Spurrier just telling me that that was none of my business. When I asked, <laughs> it was during the, it was during, uh, Jadavion Clowney's final year, uh, here when he really looked more interested in, in preserving himself for the NFL than being on the field for South Carolina. And, um, when I asked uh, Spurrier about that, he uh, kind of took off on me a little bit. And, you know, to his credit, to his credit, like the next practice there, he called me over and said, hey, I'm really sorry. And, you know, it's not your fault and blah, 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 blah. You were just asking this good question and da, da, da. So, <coughs> excuse me. I Bless felt, uh, and, you know, with Dabo, it was that um, – you know, you you remember about it was about Trevor's shoulder uh, that time uh, when I tried to when I texted him and he went off on me about that reporter those reporters calling him at home and stuff like that. Where even Dan Radakovich <laughs> came to me like the next the next game and said, "Oh, you know, I'm not going to call Dabo at home anymore because <laughs> it's going to make him it's going to make him really mad." But um, those those things generally, if you keep doing your job, those things can generally blow over. Now, uh, the, the the things you mentioned, I was really surprised Tuesday. I mean, I was sitting right in front of Gene and uh, and uh, David Cloninger, you know, the Post and Courier guys, when Shane called him out. I had read Gene's piece earlier in the morning, you know, and I didn't think that there was anything wrong with it. If you look at, you know, a Dow Loggins uh, career in the NFL. It's not, it's not great. And in fact, during that press conference, there were several of us who mentioned our NFL affiliations, you know, me being a long suffering jet fan. I think that's the only kind of jet fan there is, but, and he was with the jets for two years. And, and each time <laughs> we mentioned their NFL affiliation, he would kind of shake his hand head and say, well, that's kind of a, that was kind of a rough time there. I mean, I think it's very valid to say, here's what this person did in his past career 
as a play caller. And here's how ineffective these offenses have been. And that's all Gene was saying. Yeah. You know, I agree. So when Shane calls him out directly, that seemed like a bad, at the time I instantly thought that was a bad move, you know, and Shane tried to clean it up later in the press conference by saying, Oh, Gene, you know, I'm not just singling you out. Come on, buddy. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't get yeah. mad at me because <laughs> right, he tried to play the, 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 the nice friendly guy. But I mean, Gene is now, as you mentioned earlier, he's fact checking some of the claims that Shane made uh, about logins in his uh, rant or uh, rant a little bit opening rant about how, you know, things, the sky's not falling, even though, your two top defensive players, and now you're three with Darius Rush going to the NFL. Your three of your top defensive players have opted out of the bowl, and two of your biggest offensive playmakers are leaving. You know, in in Marshawn Lloyd and and and, and, and Jaheim Bell, and to sit there and say, "Hey, everything's great, and we're moving forward, and this is still terrific," it seemed a little tone deaf at the time. So. I thought Shane kind of stepped out of bounds there with Gene. And now I think it's going to cost, I think it's going to cost him a little bit more because as we know, Gene's a terrific reporter and he's very dogged and he's going to find out if four SEC teams uh, before South Carolina inquired about Loggins being a, 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 a coordinator. Um, you mentioned the Ron Morris uh, situation that again, that again was surprising, and it, it, it it's no shock that it was later that day that uh, it came out that Stephen Garcia was suspended for the <laughs> sixth and final time. I'm sure Spurrier, I'm sure Spurrier knew that was happening, and um, and so he took it out on he took it out on Ron for no for no other reason than he was mad that he was going to have to play a different quarterback or whatever, this is going to be bad press or whatever. Um, and again, I wanted, I, I can remember calling my editors and saying, Hey, this is what happened. And, uh, you know, they made sure they said, listen, this is not a, this is not your fight. We need to be wherever Spurrier is in order to, you know, in order to find out what's going on and to keep, uh, to keep the public informed. And I understood that and accepted it. You know, I told I told Ron that at the time, you know, that I won't, you know, uh, that I did support him, but had to do this to kind of keep everybody going, uh, keep, you know, the information flowing. The Nat Newell thing was just, I mean, that was just, that was just insane because that's not what you, you don't expect, even though it's Eddie, you don't expect that in a public forum. You know? All right, what happened? And, Let, let's give your your recollection of of, of what happened. I remember it was a game. It was a Vanderbilt game, right? And um, and uh, I can't remember. It was the best player, Vanderbilt's best player, hit two free throws at the end, and I think they beat South Carolina by a point. And um, Nat, if I recall, asked Eddie, "Did you intentionally foul?" whoever the shooter was, you know, this player was at the end of, uh, for some reason, if it was, you know, could you have, uh, you know, to keep him from an easy bucket or something like that. And, you know, that's when Eddie let go with the, uh, with the memorable line that I'm too much of a P I'm, I'm too much of a G rated, uh, 
reporter to uh, repeat here, but it included a very strong invective. And uh, what made me laugh is like Eddie's wife, as she usually did after games, was in the back of the press room, <laughs> in the interview room, and just listening to her husband. But I'm sure that was not, uh, I'm sure that was not uh, uncommon for her to. <laughs> it's not unusual, probably, for her to hear that. So um, that was very interesting because it didn't seem like it. I know that South Carolina just lost a tough game, but it didn't seem like a, a, you know, a measured response in that thing. It didn't seem like it had to be done, but I think Eddie again was just letting off some steam from what was a really tough loss when he's trying to, to build a program. Doesn't make it or get a program back to where it had been in his uh, earlier years at South Carolina. So, uh, I don't know the resolution. It didn't seem like he and Nat ever really had a a buddy buddy relationship again. If they ever did, you know, because Eddie is uh, Eddie does not forget slights, you know. And you can talk to Bob Gillespie about that former former uh, state columnist uh, who's written a lot about him over the years. He will uh, Eddie doesn't really forget things that happened to him too often. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's interesting when that becomes a topic of conversation among the press corps. And I think for fans, I think it depends what side of things they're on. If Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz was having a tough year and maybe not as effective uh, in, in, in the past when he gets, when he calls out Ron Morris, so fans can kind of, you know, I don't think that, I, I guess the bottom line, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think fans care too much whether a coach yells at a, at, at a reporter or not. I just think it's better. I think it's better when they don't say anything. I think there were plenty of South Carolina fans this week who thought, yeah, Shane, go, you know, it's your decision, it's your program, you do what you want to do, and you yell at whoever you want to yell at because they feel like he's being tough and standing up for his program. You know, so I, I, I never really think that media disputes one way or another affect fan bases too much unless they want their coach out. And then they seize on that as, well, look how he's treating, you know, this guy from the Greenfield News or that guy from, you know, the Augusta Chronicle or blah, blah, blah. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3500. 
888-500-5507. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Well, real quickly on, on Nat Newell way back when, I think that another another episode was Nat wrote an article about North Carolina's coaching search. Oh, yeah. And yeah. basically said Eddie Fogler is not being considered. Uh, and that ticked him off. And I think that's at the point where at every press conference thereafter, Nat would ask a question and, and it got, it just got more and more uncomfortable as it went. Eddie yeah. would say no comment <laughs> and, yeah. and Nat would not stop asking questions, I guess to his credit. I mean, you still have to try. Right. Uh, anyway, moving to the Beamer thing. What's fascinating about that is over the last week, over the week that preceded the ho- the hire of Dowell Loggins, South Carolina fans themselves were highly up in arms about the possible hire, highly skeptical of his qualifications. And so is it <laughs> is all it took to turn their to turn the tide on that sentiment was Beamer going after a reporter and basically fans are like <laughs> fans think a lot less of the media than they do um that was able they were able to put that aside and you sort of deflect. Yeah. And now everybody's galvanized in support of Beamer because he went after a reporter. I mean, I'm, I, that's not the whole story, of course, but that's kind of fascinating because Gene was just asking asking the questions that many, 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 many fans and other media as well had been asking previously, and that is, wait a minute, this guy's qualified how and why? Yeah, I mean, you're 100% correct. I mean, a lot of times that's all it takes is the, is your coach showing some fire at a perceived universal enemy, you know, or, or <laughs> you know, an enemy of the people as, uh, one of our, uh, one of our presidents said at one time, but, um, sometimes that's all it takes. Now I, I don't know. I, I, I guarantee you that if they come out against North, their, their, uh, their first home game or their first game next season is in Charlotte against the Tar Heels. And if, you know, the offense you know, rushes for 52 yards and whoever the quarterback is, you know, throws a couple of picks and South Carolina loses, then everybody is going to be all, you know, anti Dow Loggins again. That's all it takes. You know, it's funny because when Marcus Satterfield left and he was clearly a, and there were good reasons for it. He was clearly a scapegoat of why things went wrong uh, on offense for, a lot of the year before things kind of turned around the last two weeks. But if he thought that the criticism was going to be, was difficult at South Carolina, like imagine the first time Penn state comes into Nebraska and, you know, puts up 45 points on them or something, you know, they lose 45, 10. I would imagine the Husker fans are going to be just as, you know, unforgiving, if not much more unforgiving than South Carolina fans. So it's really, interesting it's a, become a week to week referendum on 
areas of your team that are not working. Was it all the offensive? Was it all the offense's fault at South Carolina? Of course not. I mean, they lost what? 38, six to Florida. You know, they got six point. I mean, the defense, they were down 24, nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. You know, last year at Tennessee, when they got hammered, it was 35, nothing there. I mean, is that the offense's fault? Well, part of it is for not scoring, but the defense gave up five touchdowns in the first half. I mean, you've got to keep perspective. And when a narrative takes hold, especially among the fans, you know, it's Satterfield's fault. We're, you know, we're, it's the way it's going to be, you know, it's the way it's the way fans are. They, they cling to a scapegoat. Um, I don't, maybe Shane's turn things around. What would really turn things is if they're able to put a good showing and win the uh, Gator bowl against Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's, got a lot of terrific players and they're, you know, they're as they're going to be as depleted probably as South Carolina come, uh, come game time because of opt outs and, and and things like that. When you don't have Michael Meyer, I mean, you probably saw him, you know, at Notre Dame up close and, uh, and the kind of player he is not having him uh, on the field is going to hurt. And if South Carolina can put up a positive showing against uh, Notre Dame, then that's going to do as much as anything to get people to get South Carolina fans re-energized about what this team might be able to do going forward. And sometimes that's all a fan base needs. I mean, these were fans, as you said, a lot of them, the vocal part who were on social media coming out and questioning whether Dow Loggins was the, uh, the right fit for this job. I mean, that's going to be that that remains to be seen. He may turn out to be fantastic, but the track record recently of offensive coordinators, they haven't had a really good, solid, consistent playmaker since Steve Spurrier, you know, and um, or or play caller, I should say, than Spurrier. And uh, when Spurrier got less interested in the job is when when things started uh, turning around, when he didn't have the players who could make the plays that he called you know, he became less interested in wanting to stick around and see it out. I think maybe what stirred up Gamecock fans this week was the Loggins, his press conference came after Beamers. Yeah. Yeah. And then Gene basically said, and I don't, I don't have the phrasing, so I want, if you recall the specifics, but it was basically like, can you confirm what yeah. Beamer said and where... Yeah. What's what are the specifics of those offers you had? And Gamecock fans translated that into, oh, Gene's calling Beamer a liar. Well, yeah. I, again, I don't, I forgot what the exact phrasing was, but I don't think there's any problem with asking the coach, the uh, Loggins, hey, can you elaborate on what Beamer was referring to in general? You know, Beamer just sort of mentioned it in general terms. Can we get more specifics on that? I don't, I don't see the problem with that. Did you? the phrasing of the question, did you, did you see maybe how people could be irked over that or not? Well, I could, I could, but it's people who, you know, are looking for a reason to take some hope from a week that was really from a couple weeks. That's really tough. I mean, <coughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. If you, if you think about what happened over the past, the final two weeks of the regular season and you all of a sudden are sky high, you're back in the rankings, the final rankings, um, and you. It should be full speed ahead 
on, in every aspect of the program. And it wasn't the transfer portal. I mean, Cam Smith opts out pretty quick. You know, Zach Pickens opts out uh, of the bowl game to to want to go, and then you lose Jaheim Bell and 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 Marshawn Lloyd to the transfer portal, among you know uh, others. But you know, those were two prominent players this year. Who, when you won games, they were a reason that you won those games. And all of a sudden, you don't know what's going on. Why should it be this kind of free fall, you're thinking, if you're a South Carolina fan? So I can see them seizing on on that characterization. I do not think that Gene was calling Shane a liar. He was saying, he was just asking Dowell if, hey, did these things happen? You know, and Dowell's response was, you know, let's, I don't want to go into specifics, but you know, we all know Shane's an honorable man and da da da. Uh, this stuff. It was kind of a a non-answer answer kind of a, a, a situation that left the door open and for fans to interpret that, hey, our guy Shane's not going to back down from anybody, including media who want to call us out for all the problems. And these are the same fans who had all the issues with logins before uh, his hire. And excuse me, and wondering why South Carolina couldn't hold on to its best players uh, going forward. You know, these are it's just the perception of people and how they process things, and they're looking to seize on anything that could maybe make them feel better about the direction that this program's going. And they should feel pre- pretty good about where this program, where the South Carolina program is going. We'll see if Loggins is the answer. I, I'm really unsure. Uh, about that because he has not had a great track record, but uh, you never know when somebody becomes, when a, when a really terrific play caller becomes a really terrific play caller, you don't know when that happens and how that morphs and metamorphosizes. So we'll see going forward on that. It's really interesting comparing Dabo and Shane. Um, I mean, if somebody told you that, that five years ago, Dabo mailed his personal, uh, <laughs> binder on how to build and lead a program and build a culture and, and come up with all these slogans and such that, I mean, if, if somebody told you that that happened, it would not be surprising just because there's so many similarities in the way Beamer has conducted himself as a leader. And that's a compliment, by the way, that's not, yeah, not saying he's absolutely. copycat or anything like that, but right. the contrast in their handling of scrutiny is markedly different in that Dabo, you know, he's sometimes he can be defensive to what's out there. You know, sometimes he can be sensitive, but it's never specific. You know, it's just this. He responds to these sort of general sort of screw the the skepticisms out there. I guess I'm not wording it right, but Beamer will specifically (laughs) address people on Twitter yeah. He'll clap back at people right away and 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 set the record straight. He'll call out Gene in a in a press conference. It's just a feistier approach, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think Dabo's ever been on Twitter and never will be. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that part is 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 really interesting to me. I'm not saying one side's you know the correct way and the other is not, um, but it's really interesting to have seen that develop over the last year or so with Beamer. Yeah, and I think the more when you get younger coaches in the game, you know, I mean, Beamer's in his mid forties, early forties. Uh, he'll, but he probably did come up 
with these guys. He was one-on-one with players as an assistant. He was known as a player's as as a player's guy or a guy the players could go to at his other stops. And I'm sure they were active on social media and he made the decision to be active on social media. And when there's a kind of a feistiness that comes with this, and you mentioned feisty and it was funny because I used, uh, I used feisty as a Beamer adjective in the story I wrote after things <laughs> on, uh, on two on uh was a Wednesday, I guess. But uh, it was just, he was, He's definitely that way, and he's going to continue to be that way. I mean, could you imagine Dabo, I don't know, putting on sunglasses and a hat and <laughs> doing a TikTok-style <laughs> hype situation? I know they do goofy things up there, and their social media, <laughs> you know, does the Halloween stuff and the and and, and the 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 you know the the thing I like was the BT Potter, what Laces Academy or whatever the Kicking Academy where. Where, where Dabo comes out and yells at uh, that would yells at Drew for or yells at Will for picking on Drew or something. They do that <laughs> kind of stuff, but it's not that same kind of pointed, eighteen-year-old appealing things that Shane has gotten into these couple of years. And you know, it it, it may work with players. They may see somebody. They may see a kindred spirit. Or they may see somebody who understands some of what they like to do and how to reach them. So it's all. Uh, and again, you know, you mentioned he'll go after he'll go after people pointedly, especially if he thinks, you know, if he thinks they're off base. And that's what he did with Gene. Uh, you know, I think Gene was unfortunate in that it was unfortunate that Gene's column came out that morning uh, and gave Shane the ammunition uh, to do that because usually he does not, usually Shane does not uh, spend as much time in his uh, opening monologue uh, at press conferences as he did in this one addressing, addressing things. So it's, they're different styles, as you say. I mean, Dabo's style obviously has been uh, uh, effective. I mean, Dabo has answered questions, this year, as you know, about whether hiring from within is the right was the right thing to do, or whether you know he needed to look outside for when the coordinator jobs came open. You know, again, I think Dabo has that track record, has a track record of making the right decisions, and it kind of, I, I kind of get amazed sometimes when people who say they're fans demand, you know, a question those decisions because, you know, I may have mentioned this to you uh, the other day, but I mean, this is, I mean, this is going to go down as the greatest period of Clemson football history that we're in right now. And instead of enjoying it, and yes, they want more of it to continue. They want it to continue going forward. So they look for cracks and how they can kind of make a, make their pitch about what the way things can do. It's just amazing that even coaches who are on top and still in the middle of a, you know, a glory period can get criticism on this. So yeah. it's interesting. Dabo seems to have made a little peace with that. He seems to understand that he's not going to be, he's not going to be found perfect in by even the most ardent of uh, Clemson fans. So he's made peace with that and he's kind of learned how to, 
<coughs> he's kind of learned how to handle us in the media, especially when there isn't when there isn't a lot of questions. I guess you know, referencing back that Clemson quarterback situation this year, you know, that seems to be the most that seemed to be the most overriding issue, uh, especially down the stretch of. You know, why isn't Cade playing or, you know, why, should Cade be playing? Should DJ be still be the starter? And, you know, I mean, Dabo's made those kind of decisions before. It seemed to, to me, my opinion, if he hadn't made that decision before the championship game, it probably meant that, you know, maybe he saw something lacking. Uh, you know, the Cade wasn't fully ready to embrace that. I don't know. You know, just just my peer, my my uh, analysis on that thing. So who knows? But Dabble's learned how to live with it. He's learned how to answer, handle the questions. I don't know if he always likes it, you know, the 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 direction of questions. But he's learned that it's almost better not to engage and to, or engage in a vanilla type manner than go after people directly. Shane will learn that, too. Yeah. You mentioned the Trevor Lawrence episode with Dabo back in 2019 uh, yeah. when he wasn't happy with you. People are going to want to know uh, the particulars behind that. So I'll just give the brief Cliff's notes. Um, yeah. It was after the North Carolina game. They almost lost that yeah. game. Uh, Trevor looked, I don't know, not great. Um, he looked like yeah. he might have been favoring uh, his, his throwing arm a little bit. And so I had heard uh, through my contacts that he had, he had hurt his shoulder, I believe, against Texas A&M earlier yeah. that season. Uh, when A and M visited Clemson, and that uh, they had been worried about it, and then they had performed an MRI, um, but that it was negative, and that he he was going to be fine. Well, to me, that's an important detail, um, yeah. and it's a it was a positive <laughs> detail in that yeah. Yeah, I wrote an article, and the article wasn't even that wasn't even central to the article. It was yeah. I think it was maybe like the fifth or sixth paragraph. So I I, I did I purposely didn't make a big deal out of it, you know, didn't sensationalize it. Uh, and the way I, the way I obtained the information or confirmed the information was I pulled Trevor aside after his press conference. Yeah. And I said, Hey, I had heard that you had an MRI. I was just curious how that, um, how the, the results of it, he goes, Oh, it was negative. It was just a little, just a strain. And so we're good to go. And so that was it. And I was, I was stunned that, that it caused the reaction that it did. And that Dabo was upset with me for he was mad that I asked Trevor about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've been asking players about injuries for decades, and that was yeah. that's the only time that that it caused that type of reaction. But anyway, I guess you were you had texted him or called him following up on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To confirm it, and right. uh, and that's when he got mad. And a couple of things. One is, you know, when 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 inaccurate stuff is out there, he's he, Dabo. One of the things he'll say is, "Yeah, that's just the world we're in now with the media." <laughs> you know, you go yeah. into the bathroom stall, and if you hear the guy in the next stall saying something, it's news, and you write it without <clears throat> without checking. You know, in my in my days, the the reporters, you know, they called and confirmed something. Well, that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. And so you can't you can't really have it both ways. On and and also another the other point is that just because Dabo was angry at that time doesn't mean that he didn't get over it. It doesn't mean that he looks yeah. at me now and says, or you, 
doesn't right. mean he looks at you and says, that dang Pete, you called me that day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he still yeah, I, respects the heck I out of you. And I think right. he respects me. Um, and so that's the part that I think fans don't really understand is that there's give and take, right? Yeah. Like our jobs, his job is to coach. Our job is to report. And sometimes there's some conflict, but if you're a professional and your coach doesn't take himself too seriously, then you move on and, and you, you respect each other. And I think that's the case with that. But that brings me to Beamer and Gene, do you think, do you have a feel or a guess as to whether what Beamer said publicly is, Oh, it's okay, Gene. I know. I, I still love you. Don't get upset. Do you think in private that Shane is going to be like, screw you, <laughs> you, you, you question the hire. Do you have any feel for it? You know, I, I just know when things have happened to me and the coaches that I've been around uh, have kind of reached out to me and said, you know, Hey, listen, it was okay. And you know, we're, we're good. I, 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 you know, I I can remember um, it was, I think it was in 2019 when um, South Carolina, the colonial life arena hosted the NCAA tournament. Zion was there. Taco fall was there. Uh, it was pretty memorable. It was pretty great. But that meant that the South Carolina women who were in the NCAA tournament kind of uh, had to play in Charlotte. They had to do their regional in Charlotte because the building was being used. So it, we're in the middle of a game or it's the, between games. And Dawn comes back from her. Dawn Staley comes back from them winning their second game. And she wants to watch these games. And she's, she's like, hey, Pete, you know, I saw I thought. I thought I saw that you wrote such and such about our offense and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, you know, Don, that's, that's, you know, that's what I saw. That's what I did. She was like, all right. Okay. Well, I guess it's okay. And, you know, and then she moved and she moved on, but that's all about in the moment, even the coaches who respect what you do and, 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 and are, have, you know, understand what you do. That doesn't mean they always like what you do. You know, and they'll let you know about it. I didn't mind. I didn't. I didn't. When Dawn left, I didn't sit there and say, "How dare she question my right, blah 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 right. about this?" You know, how dare she? You know, you take it on. Not everybody's always going to be happy with what you write and how you characterize it. And um, they'll tell in, and they'll let you know. And I like that back and forth. I mean, you know, Dawn and I obviously we have a a, a terrific relationship, a terrific working relationship, and we respect each other. She's a really good person and does a really fantastic job. I think the same thing of, uh, uh, of Dabo. I thought the same thing of, of Steve Spurry. I didn't always agree with who they, what, what they said, but, or what they say, but, you know, I enjoyed working with them and going back and forth. And, and we never kept grudges on that Shane so far. If he were smart, I think I would try and reach out to Gene and just make sure that they cleared the air a little bit because what Shane did was publicly calling out one writer, one media member. You know, it's, um, it can really, it can really backfire if you don't kind of follow up and say, well, maybe I shouldn't have done it in a public forum. If he wanted to, maybe he should have pulled Gene aside afterwards and said, Hey, you know, I just wasn't crazy about, about what you wrote on this and, and they could have talked about it and gotten past it, but now it's become, it's a thing. And, um, 
you know, I don't know if Shane's going to reach out to Gene. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if they're going to be able to let it, you know, if he can let it slide a little bit. I'm sure there'll be more opportunities <coughs> for them to discuss as we get further down bowl season and into the bowl game. But it's just um, just me personally, my opinion, it's just good policy if you air your grievances in private and discuss it and then move forward. I mean, it's probably and that's just not in media and coaching uh, worlds, but probably in all in all kind of worlds. You know, you just you, you just there's not enough time to get caught up in in grudges and anger and and this and that unless there's something really certainly not about who you hired as an offensive coordinator uh, at, at, for your program. You know, it's just not, there's, there's not enough time to do that, to deal with that stuff. I mean, ideally, you know, if your job is writing an opinion and your initial opinion is, holy crap, what, what is this guy doing with this hire? Yeah. And you're dealing with an access, an accessible coach that you have a relationship with. I mean, ideally you could call the coach before you write, you know, what you're going to write. Yeah. You call the coach up and you say, Hey man, I'm just, uh, I'm skeptical. Can you give me the, you know, give me the, your side of this and, and, and maybe there's something I'm not considering here. Can you give me a better understanding of your decision-making sort of, and off the record and on background. Yeah. And then maybe there's some things that you hadn't considered yet, you know? Um, so I think, you know, I don't know, maybe that's part of it. And, you know, I don't know. My position is that if, if, you know, if you're allowed to say what you think about something in a, in a newspaper or a website or whatever, then you cannot take it personally when a coach or whoever you're writing about uses his platform, his or her platform, um, to rebut yeah, and, and to give their side. I mean, you might not agree with it, but you can't take it personally, in my opinion. Yeah. You can't get butthurt yeah. over it. I think you're I think you're hundred percent you're hundred percent right on that. I mean, I just you know, it, it, if you allow yourself to get into a grudge match with a coach, it you know, it, it effectively diminishes you as a writer because you don't have the access or the back and forth to even pull somebody aside. Uh, and say, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about that? You you won't get those opportunities again. And that's going to hurt your readership. That's going to hurt your company. You know, and there are just certain things that you have, you have to have a, a fairly civil relationship and be not be on a, not get your feelings hurt really. And I don't think Gene's going to get his feelings hurt. You know, I think Gene, Gene's, you know, one of the top professionals and one of the, one of the greatest media members who's ever been through South Carolina for sure. Um, it, it's just, it, it seemed kind of, I know it just kind of shocked me a little bit when I heard Shane call him out that way in a public forum, but maybe Shane's maybe for Shane, the calculations, you know, he did the math on this and it came up that it would, it was a way to defend his program against one entity here's here's somebody else who's against us and who doesn't think that we're going to get things done you know so who knows what the uh, inside baseball thinking was to all this but uh, uh you know shane made the calculation that going after gene in his column was the right thing to do 
I, I couldn't help but think back to the tenure of Bart Wright uh, at the uh, at the Greenville News. He was the columnist, sports columnist for quite a while. And I know I'm not the only one who thought this, but it seemed like at times between him and Tommy Bowden and maybe even and Devo as well, that things just yeah. got a little too personal. Yeah. Uh, and there, it felt like there was some of that sort of grudge holding uh, from his part. I don't know if you, I don't even know if you want to comment on it, but but that's it just felt uneasy in that respect to me at times uh, when, when he was sort of opining. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I did feel there were some uneasy, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> uneasy moments there uh, between uh, Bart and, and the coaches. It was certainly fascinating and it was certainly a, a little bit of a masterclass at times about how, how to get the information that you're seeking for what you want to write because Bart <coughs> did not slow down and trying to find himself, uh, find the information he needed, whether that meant, you know, two or three straight questions kind of taking over the, the news <laughs> for, for a little bit, uh, to get the opinion. I, I remember like that with, with Ron Morris and, uh, Lou Holtz down here in South Carolina where South Carolina had a, they were playing a Thursday night game for the first time in a while, a home Thursday night game. And um, Ron asked Holtz several times. He came at it three or four different ways about Thursday night. And finally Lou Holtz is like, Ron, we're playing the game on Thursday night, you know? (laughs) And uh, it was just fascinating how, you know, they were, they were clearly, Lou clearly got irritated after a, a certain point of questioning. And, um, and it was just, but it was just, it's just interesting. You just kind of sit back and watch on that and you try and take out of that what you can take out of there. Um, but sometimes these personalities do clash because, you know, you've heard Ron share his stories about dealing with certain coaches throughout his career. And um, it's just uh, fascinating how sometimes you just don't mesh with uh, people one way or another. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't, I try not to get into that. I try not to worry about that. If somebody's going to, I haven't had anybody call me out directly or claim that I got facts wrong or, or, or things like that. And to me, that's, you know, if I got the facts correct in my story, then I'm, you know, then I'm doing my job. I'm doing what I have to do. And if you don't, don't like it or want to use me as a, a way to rebut, you know, way to garner, uh, people on your side, then, then go ahead. I'll let it go. You know, I'll just come back at you the way I come back at you. You know, I'll just sit there and smile and ask you more questions later on. Did Dabo ever come back and address the, the, the phone call thing <laughs> calling him? No, 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 not, not at all. I didn't expect him to. Um, it was funny. It was just the other day we were, after after the uh, practice on Tuesday, is that when they opened bowl practice? I yes. think so. Um, and we're sitting there, and Dabo wanders over afterwards, and we're interviewing like, you know, Tyler Davis is on in one scrum, and and and, and uh, I think Jeremiah Trotter's in the other one, and he's like, uh, he's like, it's just all. And Dabo goes, oh, he goes, oh, it's just all Americans today, you know. And, and so I mentioned. I mentioned, I said, yeah, an AP All-American, you know, <laughs> and he laughs, he laughs, and, and 
And then he says, he goes, <laughs> AP, he goes, the AP always gets it right. And I'm like, well, that's not what you said a couple of years ago. Uh, what did he say? No, he just started, he started laughing and yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, but we've got, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously we have a, a, a I'm like a barnacle, you know, up there. I'm a, I'm around, you know, you can't scrape me off. So I'm going to be there. And after a while, you know, Dabo knows on balance, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, I don't go after him about things or, you know, I don't push him on a lot of, on a lot of things. We just present the facts. And so it's a relationship that comes over time. And, you know, I, I was never worried that he was not going to get back to being able to work with me in a collegial basis. Pete, we, I have, have held you long enough on this interview to where you might have become a barnacle uh, uh, during this time, but it's been delightful. I could talk for freaking three more hours about all this stuff, but I'm sure you got stuff to do. Larry, I certainly appreciate it. You know, it's fun. As I mentioned early on here, it's fun when you have a shared history with somebody like we do, covering the same things uh, for a number of years, that uh, it's fun to kind of catch up and reminisce a little bit and just see how things have changed in our time uh you know when we first met in the late 90s or early 2000s to to how it's unfolded now and you know we're both still here so there's got to be something to be said about all that and people are actually interested in hearing about our existence which is kind of cool so (laughs) it surely is it surely is thank you so much pete larry i really appreciate it and you know anytime you want to do this just give me a call. Truly one of the nicest people uh, you'll ever encounter in the journalism industry or any industry. Pete's a great dude, and I really appreciate him uh, giving us so much of his time. Also appreciate the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And, of course, uh, most of all, thanks to every one of you for hitting that play button. Really appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs>